0: You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, JM Sunday with Mattis Weingast here at nahumsiegel.com.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matus Weingast. And whoops, I didn't mean to put that on right now. I apologize. Getting, jumping ahead. Yehuda wants to get in very quickly. So as I was saying, uh, my name is Matus Weingast. And uh, today is the 2nd of February, 2020. in the uh, 7th of Shabbat, 5780. If you're studying Dafyomi... Thirty. Thank you all for joining us this morning. It is uh, it is 7.06 in the morning, Eastern Time, AM. Wherever you are, it's whatever time it is where you are. 36 degrees outside of our studios and uh, raining. Going up to a high of 44. It's a uh, snow mix to, to rain. And uh, then going down to 38 degrees and rainy overnight. In Jerusalem, 53 degrees and uh, partly cloudy, going down to 41 degrees. That's what I understand from uh, our uh, reporters in Israel. Kanda Julian is not going to be able to join us this morning, but she uh, did um, let us know about that. Uh, it's a, a very exciting day here in the United States. Today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, which means one thing and one thing only. That later on today it's going to be time for the exciting 2020 edition of the Kosher halftime show, and that is going to be uh, to the latter available to the latter part of uh, the first half of uh, the Super Bowl, so probably around eight o'clock tonight, and uh, it will be featuring, uh, of course, Nachum Siegel as host. Uh, Ashley Blaker, Simcha Liner, Mayor Kay, and more. So that's something that everyone looks forward to on Super Bowl Sunday. There is a game you'll watch that I'm sure, but yeah, that's uh, that's what everybody has to look forward to. Uh, and great programming all day long. Uh, there's a live lunch encore at eleven o'clock, and also something extremely exciting. Nachum is going to be live from Eichlers of Borough Park, and he will future feature a uh, live Q and A session with the renowned author and journalist Barry Weiss. Um, They'll talk about her new book, and uh, that is extremely exciting for today also. so uh, We have live presentations during the day, and we have the uh, Kosher Halftime Show. On this show, coming up at around uh, 8.15, my guest is going to be uh, Daniel S. Chertoff, the author of the book Palestine Posts. And uh, that's an eyewitness account of the birth of Israel, through, uh, based on letters of uh, from his father, Mordechai Chertoff. So we'll talk to him about the book. It's uh, very interesting, and it covers a wide range of topics from uh, the late '40s, right before the birth of the official birth of the state of Israel, up to, and uh, we'll hear from him about what the uh, what he learned from the letters and how that made him feel and. What prompted him to write a book about them? So that's taking place uh, today here on the show in about uh, two hours. And Rabbi Goldwasser coming up at 7.30. So we're going to go to the music. We're going to start with a little Shlomo Kabach today. Thank you all for joining us right here on J.M. Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
2: Oh, when I, when I, your man,
3: Hoy te desehé la more, hoy te desehé, 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 hoy te Son of
4: i
5: here, son.
6: Osho, shashuoi, o zavadi ve 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 do say V v v v v v v v v v v v v v Shoo, yo was a vadity. We were, 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 Oh, was of Ada tea, very well. You're on <imitation> you, Little Lay Sayos. Oh, sha, shu. Oh, so bad. You're on you, Little Oh, sha, shu. <laughs> baruch,
1: uh, baruch uh, Before that, the Aviachva Boys Choir. Iram Rosenblum, Yehuda David Gabe, and Shlomo Kalbach right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Drop late for Rabbi Goldwasser. We'll get to him in a few seconds. And uh, following that, I'll give you uh, an update of what's going on on this show for the rest of the show and what's going on on the uh, network. So uh, let's get to Rabbi Goldwasser at this time each and every Sunday through Thursday. We present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, L'zecha Nishmas Harvzev, Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and L'zecha Nishmas Esther Bas, Rabbi Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning chizuk.
5: Good morning. It says in the Torah, You should be perfect with Hashem. Ramon HaKalechevich says that the truth is, one should never worry. There is only one daiga, one worry that one is allowed to have, and that is, Why am I worrying? The Vilna said, Everything we do in this world, whether physical or spiritual, is like planting seeds. All we can do is plow and sow. The rain, the dew, the elements of the climate are completely up to Hashem. A person has to toil in this world, but not to waste time worrying about the results. That's in the hands of Hashem. Of course, a person should daven, they should pray, for blessing and success in all that we do. It says in the pasuk in Devarim, Vayu your life will hang in the balance. You will be frightened by night and day. You will not be sure of your livelihood. The Gemara Menachos explains this pasuk as referring to the pain and suffering of worrying about the future. It refers to someone who doesn't own land but buys a year's supply of grain each year. Though he has grain for this year, he worries about the next year. The second level is, you shall fear night and day. It refers to someone who buys grain every week. The most severe level is, you'll have no assurance of your life. That refers to one who has to buy bread every day. He constantly has to worry about it. Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz pointed out that a person creates his own mental torture by his own thoughts. If we have food for today, appreciate what we have. We'll have a happy life. But if we worry about the future, so then we can never have peace of mind. Reb Simcha of Kelm had such mastery over his thoughts that at certain times at the end of the day, he would mentally review the thoughts of the entire day to see what he could improve on. The Chovitzheim used to say, everyone has something to worry about. It's preferable for a person to worry about spiritual matters. Ruchnias. Then he will be free from worrying about material matters. Bitochon. If a person has trust in Hashem, it eliminates worry. If we remember how Hashem has helped us in the past, we'll find it easier to trust in Hashem for the present. Mosh Rabbeinu kept telling B'nai Yisrael, Remember, Hashem helped you in Mitzrayim he will help you again. That is what we constantly have to remember, that Hashem is sim leiv. He cares about each and every one of us. The old axiom goes, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser, for those important words. It is uh, 7.36 a.m. Eastern Time. In our area, wherever it is, by you. Thanks for joining us right here on the Nakam Siegel Network. A uh, great uh, and exciting day today here on the network. Uh, on this show, we're here until nine o'clock. It's about another uh, a little less than an hour and a half. Coming up at about eight fifteen, I'll uh, be joined by uh, by David Chertoff. He's the author of a book entitled Palestine Posts: An Eyewitness Account of the Birth of Israel. He writes about the uh, letters that he found in his uh, father's among his father's belongings after his father passed away uh and they were uh, letters between family and uh spanned about 1947 to 1950 uh and uh, the birth of the state of israel uh, the uh, the author's father uh, mordechai chertov was a writer for the uh palestine post and uh, these are source materials. These are first-hand materials. And uh, his son, I think, uh, masterfully crafted the letters and the context and the history into this book. It's very interesting, quite interesting. So we'll talk to him a bit on, uh, about that. And then uh, throughout the day today, uh, we have uh, more music after 9 o'clock until um, the live lunch encore with Arami at 11. And then a special live presentation today on the network. Nachum will be live from Eichlers of Borough Park, and he will uh, have a Q and A session with renowned author and journalist Barry Weiss, talking about her new book on anti Semitism. Following that, that'll be about uh, two uh, about an hour, and uh, following that, uh, there will be excuse me, that'll be two hours. I apologize. Uh, following that, at three o'clock Eastern Time. A an encore of Saturday Night Seagull with host Avrami, and then it is, of course, Super Bowl Sunday today here in the United States and around the world, uh, and that means the most important part of that, of course, is the 2020 Kosher Halftime Show, which will uh, air around eight o'clock uh, Eastern Time this evening. It'll feature Nachum Siegel, of course, uh, Ashley Blaker, Simcha Liner, Mary Mayor K. Uh, and uh, and more. So that is um, that is something to look forward to. Always very exciting. Uh, and the game, yeah, the game is there. It's, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, for my uh, you know expertise in sports. <laughs> so just keep it to the network all day long. It is uh, it's the place to be and carries you throughout the day and night, wherever you are and uh, whenever you're listening. We're going to go back to the music uh, with Benny and Gad Elbaz. No news from Israel this week. Connor Julian is off, uh, and we're going to continue with the music right here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network.
7: In every place, every time, there are all of us from big and small to small. Good days, and even less, and between them Se ya tu alma hay en o me One and one more, it's a success. Israel will not be able to do it. Always on the map, we will be able to do it. And this
3: Your boy, they are feeling noise in you. Your voice only kids. your boy, they are feeling in
1: Eden from the Break of Dawn album. Minametsar by Eden from the Break of Dawn album. Before that, Chaim Benet, David Gabe, Benny Friedman, Benny and Gad Elbaz. Eight o'clock in the morning Eastern Time here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. As I had mentioned earlier, Hannah Julian is off this uh, week with the uh, news from Israel. We hope to reconnect with her next Sunday morning. It is the second uh, of February, seventh day in the month of Shvat. If you're studying Dafyomi, it's Brachos uh, Lamid, Daf Lamid 30. 36 degrees outside of uh, our studios and heading up to a high of 44 with some snow possibly uh, occurring, then turning to rain. A low of 38 degrees tonight and rainy in Jerusalem. It's 53 degrees right now and uh, going down to 41 degrees. So much happening on the network today. We're here until 9 o'clock. Coming up in about 15 minutes, I'll be joined by the author of the book Palestine Posts, an eyewitness account of the birth of Israel. That'll be Daniel Chertoff. We'll talk about the book and his father who uh, penned the letters. Then throughout the day today, amazing programming continues, live lunch encore with host Avrami at 11 o'clock, and then a two-hour special live from Eichluse and Borough Park, Nachum Siegel, and uh, he will feature a live Q&A session with renowned author and journalist Barry Weiss talking about her book on anti-Semitism. At 3 o'clock, a Saturday night Siegel encore with host Avrami, and then of course the fun begins. There is a football game today. Uh, here in the United States, it's called the Super Bowl. Uh, a couple of people will be watching it, but a lot of people will be watching the 2020 Kosher halftime show that will air about eight o'clock uh, towards the end of the um, first half of the football game, hosted by Nachum Siegel, featuring Ashley Blaker, Simcha Liner, Mayor Kay, and lots more. It should be very, very exciting. And then, uh, you know, hey. It, Go back to that game. Uh, that's going to be the plan for today. And uh, again, great programming all day long today. Nachum will be back on JM and the AM tomorrow morning uh, at the uh, six a.m. Eastern time. Let's go to some music, and then we'll be joined by uh, our guest author this morning right here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. <music>
8: Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, mother, 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 Ay, mother, 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 ay, mother, 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 Ay, ay, I'm a soldier, i ay, a I'm a a
3: L'zarachah n'atati, Le n'atati, n'atati Rahana Natati, Natati.
1: got a little taste of Shimon Levy here on JM Sunday. Uh, maybe we'll get back to him a little bit later on. It is uh, eight, uh, 18 in the morning. Drop late for our interview. We're going to get to that in a few seconds. Don't forget, great programming all day long right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, including, of course, Nachum will be live at uh, Eichler's and Bar Park from 1 to 3. And uh, the Kosher Halftime Show. 2020 edition will uh, air towards the end of the first half of that, um, of that, uh, game that we, um, that we, uh, you know, watch every once in a while. Um, okay. It is, whoops, uh, all right. We're going to actually, it's a little bit of connection issue. <laughs> we are going to, um, reconnect with our author and, uh, yeah, we'll play a little bit more of the um, of Shimon Levy, and then we'll get right back with uh, our author for with our author for today. Jerusalem,
8: Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem.
1: Okay, thank you again, Shimon Levy, for filling us in here. Uh, The name of the book is Palestine Posts, an eyewitness account of the birth of Israel based on the letters of Mordechai S. Chertoff, and joining me this morning on the air is the author's son and the author of this book, Daniel S. Chertoff. Daniel, welcome to JM Sunday.
9: Thank you, Mathis. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome, and uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for authoring this book, because anyone who knows about the uh, modern state of Israel uh, knows a lot of what Happened to bring the state to fruition, especially around the late 40s. Uh, and a lot of the uh, topics covered in the letters of your father are known to, to many people, but the fact that we have first hand uh, primary source material uh, and, uh, and and the way your father wrote really puts a, sheds a light on. The topics in a way that is not um, readily available, and, and I want to thank you for bringing this to us. And we'd like to speak to you a little bit about the um, about the book. Uh, how did you first come about finding these letters? Was it something that uh, uh, you knew about? It's apparently not, from what you say in the book. How did you first find out about this?
9: Well, that's a really important question because. I grew up with my father's stories. They were very anecdotal, um, and I got a little tired of them you know, as a teenager <laughs> hearing them. Didn't really appreciate how important they were. Still, um, when he became much older, I encouraged him to write his memoirs, and I helped him with them. I, I helped him research them, produce them, and uh, we published a very anecdotal version of his recollections. But he never mentioned to me anything about letters. It was only after he died that I was going through his papers and suddenly discovered a cache of about 400 letters, including 120 letters that he wrote to his parents and siblings back in the United States. After he moved to Israel, he made Aliyah in 1947 and became the foreign news editor and then the war correspondent for the Palestine Post, and he was also in the Haganah. So I didn't know about the letters, and it was quite a shock to me to find them. Um, when I first found I thought, oh, very nice. I'll scan them, and I'll give them to my children. And if they're interested, they'll look at, look at them. But then I started reading them, and they were incredibly interesting and well-written. And I realized that there were many references to things that my children wouldn't be able to identify. So I found myself annotating And then wanting to know more about some of the historical events that he mentions, some of which are are not so well known, especially events having to do with British Mandate history, like the Sargent's Affair and the Farron Affair. So before I knew it, I had taken his letters, annotated them, put them in their historical context, and uh, in addition had gotten to know my father as a 25-year-old. It was really incredible very, right. very emotional for me and very
1: powerful. And you do write very openly about uh, your relationship with your father. And as I said to you off the air before we began, the uh, book is extremely interesting because of all the letters and the facts and, and the firsthand experience. But it's also important to understand who your father was and his feelings and thoughts about the time. And also, frankly, I feel who you are as you were looking at this. So let's start with you. From a, from a standpoint of learning about history in Israel, w- you heard the stories from your father, as you said, but how did you feel about um, learning about that history? What did it mean to you before you even saw the letters?
9: That's a really important question also. <laughs> um, you know, I've lived in Israel for 32 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: I grew up with strong Zionist parents. My parents stayed in the U.S., even though they met here, and intended to return to Israel. But I was raised in the U.S., but always with an eye towards Israel. And I had no doubt that I would eventually make my home in Israel and would only date women who were interested in Israel as well. And um, although I've lived here for a long time, I've taken many things for granted. And I saw the letters as an opportunity to come to grips with some of the issues having to do with the conflict and the history of the period, and I really welcome the opportunity to immerse myself and to understand. And it's had a big impact on my interpretation of the conflict. I'm going back and understanding the Balfour Declaration, mm-hmm. the whole history of the, of the British mandate, the, the various responses to ideas of partition, it's had a big impact, and I, I think it's given me a certain peace of mind with respect to the conflict. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 please finish.
9: I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I, I've, I'm impressed with all the efforts that Israel went to to try to make peace with the Palestinians, and it was fascinating to read how much frustration UN mediators and various other officials um, how how frustrated they were with the process of trying to make peace, and now, having really studied the time period in some detail, I understand it much
1: better uh, so I'm sorry, so you're talking about the occurrences of last week, right <laughs> because well, it I, continues and and, and <laughs> that's a question I'd like to get to a little bit later your your thoughts about sure. how your father would feel about things that have gone on in in the last number of years. I know your father passed away, I believe, 2013, am am I correct? That's right. Almost exactly six years ago. At at the age of 91. So he certainly has seen a tremendous amount in the growth uh, and development of the state of Israel and everything that's happened in between. But I'd like to tie in that question I had about your feelings with your father's feelings. He was in... uh, he was in Israel. He was in pre-Israel around that time, writing for the Jerusalem Post, for, for the uh, Palestine Post, excuse me. Why was he there, and what was his uh, thinking about Israel?
9: My father um, also came from an intensively Zionist family. His father had been a professor of Talmud, an Orthodox rabbi who escaped from Russia in 1899, made it to the United States, um, his mother also had gotten out of Romania, came to the United States. And he was raised in a household that was basically religious, but also incredibly culturally illiterate. Although his father uh, was an Orthodox rabbi, he still he had a master's from, he, from uh, Columbia University in philosophy. He, he was incredibly familiar with uh, Western philosophy, with uh, you know Judaica. And at a time when Americans were ambivalent, American Jews were ambivalent about Zionism, his family had no doubt. They were intensively, intensively Zionist, to the extent that my grandmother, in 1935, at the age of 41, took my father and his two older siblings to spend the academic year in Palestine. Hmm. It was incredible. I mean, she said, "I, I must go see the land. They spent uh, almost a year here, and that absolutely solidified my father's absolute dedication to Israel. It also perfected his Hebrew, and it was a, a given that he would ultimately move to Israel as an adult, and that's exactly what he did in 1947 at the age of 25.
1: And it's interesting when you say that he perfected his Hebrew, because as you uh, write in the uh, book, uh, he's uh, for instance, in one story here, where he switches, you write here, page 325, that he switches from English to Hebrew so that he could speak in, in one language he spoke to your mother, to his mother, in another language he spoke to his father, and uh, you know that that goes to show, yes, like yes, you said, I,
9: I, I must tell you. He, that the letters between my father and his father in Hebrew are absolutely stunning. Right. Um, both men were incapable of putting together three sentences without uh, biblical or Talmudic references. Um, this is the way they communicated. It's the way they felt. I mean, right. it's the way they saw everything in in Jewish terms, in messianic terms. So, for example, my father's description of the night that the U.N. voted for partition entirely invokes scripture and liturgy. You know, he describes the vote in the U.N., you know, the first mm-hmm. person, the one vote, and, two, and he says, you know, the echad, echad de echad, echad de it. It imitates the Yom Kippur liturgy of... This is how the Kohen Gadol would count, you know, one, one plus one. Right. So he and his father corresponded in stunning Hebrew. But his mother, his mother's Hebrew was very weak, so he mostly wrote his letters in English. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hebrew ones, um, you know, I've had translated. My, my daughter translated the one about the UN. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hebrew ones are, are simply gorgeous.
1: So I'm sure, would you ever consider publishing those?
9: Absolutely,
1: or even Absolutely. on a website, you know, putting them on for people to read. Daniel Chertoff is uh, my guest. He's the author of Palestine Posts, an eyewitness account of the birth of Israel based on the letters of his father, Mordecai Chertoff. Yeah, I did read one interesting uh, letter here. I mean, they're all again, they're all fascinating. Uh, but he wrote in 1948 about um, visiting home, and within that letter, he talked about uh, <laughs> he alluded to, or actually stated it openly, about whether. How much um, American Jews cared about what was going on in uh, Israel, if I understood it correctly. And he he quotes here, for 2,000 years, we built cities and countries for others. Have we already wearied so that we cannot accomplish the building of our land? And he writes, is it possible for a Jewish army to leave today from the United States to Eretz Yisrael via Canada? Uh, It's just fascinating to, uh, to read this and hear about his views.
9: Yeah, I think he was expressing his frustration mm-hmm. that uh, the Jews uh, figured prominently in World War II. Right. Uh, they, you know, Jews fought actively uh, with the Allies, uh, and here in 1948, the Jews are at war again for their own survival and independence, and he was disappointed that there were not more volunteers. Yeah. There were many volunteers, mm-hmm. sure, but the numbers were small, and he was frustrated.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, it's something that I think is still in the frustration column today, uh, in terms of uh, uh, diaspora relations with Israel and um, and all that. And you had mentioned in, in your uh, in, in your introduction, and also uh, we know the history of the ship, the Exodus, for instance, uh, right. which was in in uh, it, it, opposite of what you were just saying in his frustration. These are people who wanted to do what they could to bring Jews to Israel, especially with what happened. Uh, Interestingly, one of the crew members of the Exodus, Nat Nadler, is somebody that I had the pleasure of of knowing for many years and hearing that firsthand account also. uh, he, He lived nearby, and I've had him on the radio. He passed away a number of years ago. But to hear the account of what went on day to day, when I started reading your book, it reminded me of that because I'm reading something that not just somebody who was writing about history even if he was there it, this is personal and that makes such a difference that's why I really feel people should go out and get this book um, just for a second, I'm sure it's available. Amazon, all over the place. Uh, I it's
9: available on Amazon and yeah. also uh, at the YU Book Fair that's going on right. now, right? And, and in other places, right? And yeah. uh, I but, believe but,
1: it's available at Eichlers in Borough Park, where our uh, network uh, head Nachum Siegel will be uh, live today between one and three. So if people are going there, they can also pick up the uh, to pick up the book. Um,
9: Lovely. Listen, I want to respond to your point. That mm-hmm. You make a very important point about the, the contemporaneousness yes. of this kind of, of story. One of the, the story with the Exodus, and one of the features of my book, is that rather than reading a history retrospectively, mm-hmm. we're actually learning the history of the period contemporaneously yes. as we go along. And it's very different, because if this is not the homogenized version later told by historians but right. rather this is the raw ongoing experience so for example the exodus um, we read about in one paragraph about what happened how they left france mm-hmm. they were turned away from palestine they went back to france they were turned away from france they ended up in hamburg but this went on for nine months and we don't really appreciate the agony of the passengers unless you read about it on a more um, continuous basis that's right so The thing about the book and the letters is he's describing things as they go along. They're uncensored, unprocessed, and it's incredible to experience history rather than reading about it later.
1: Right, and as important as the time was, and as dangerous as the time was, and as difficult as the time was, um, your father talked about having a snowball fight on the roof of right. uh, of one of the buildings, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, but but also saying that the Palestine Post must appear, so they couldn't spend too much time away from their posts. That's so important because it gives us that context. So when we're hearing what he had to say about the time, we feel like we're there with him. That's what you were able to do, which is very impressive uh, in terms of of showing of painting that picture for us that's what I think these letters and your uh, your processing of them it's not necessarily the, the right word, but your interpretation of them and explanation really gives us a picture that we can see. I can imagine his and people having a snowball fight in the midst of this whole time of turmoil. Uh, right. One of the things you also mentioned off the air, and, and uh, you also talked about this a bit in, um, in the book, the amount of research that you did, secondary research for um, people who were there at the time, and you also mentioned very interestingly that you have learned about descendants of the people that were right. part of his, his lifetime. Tell us a little bit right. about that.
9: Right, exactly. Now, this book is a very, very personal book because it also explores my feelings towards my father. Mm-hmm. And I think all men have complicated relationships with their father, and they say one of the hallmarks of becoming an adult is making one's peace with one's father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that is, that is also something that this book helped me with. But I, th- I had originally thought that many of these stories were merely personal to me. But in tracking down the descendants, I discovered that these stories are important to others as well. So to give you quickly one example, my father was in the building when the Palestine Post was bombed. Mm-hmm. He, he dragged out a number of people. One of the people he dragged out was his favorite press man, a man named Ruby. Robbie. Robbie was mm-hmm. very badly hurt, and my father feared for Robbie's life and certainly for his sight. All he right. describes bantering with Robbie. He describes meeting Robbie's three beautiful children and then later says, okay, Robbie's going to survive. Um, and then he, he goes on. Well, I found the youngest of Robbie's three beautiful children. Wow. And I discovered that Robbie did not survive. He, mm. he, he survived another year. Now, Robbie's youngest child is a 72-year-old man named David Nevo, who is a very successful Israeli high-tech and technology executive, but he never knew his father. And he was always, uh, I wouldn't say obsessed, but he was, the the bombing and the loss of his father was very fundamental to him and to his identity. And he just didn't know much about it. I asked him for further details, and he couldn't tell me. So Mm. I told him. I read him my father's 4,000-word account, and uh, we sat there together crying and hugging each other. All of a sudden, a stranger shows up, with an eyewitness account written by someone who loved his father and who dragged him out of the building and may have bought him the year of life.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And I mean, finally amazing.
9: fills in and gives him closure on a chapter that he didn't know about. Right. And this is only one story, and there are many stories, uh, many stories like that. And uh, it's really been a pleasure meeting the descendants of many of the important characters in my father's history, and we've become really close friends.
1: Right, I guess there's a little bit of irony in in that because, as you said, the relationship with your father was was what it was, and you got tired of the stories that he had told because you've heard them all, and yet there was this treasure trove of uh, letters that he never told you about, and now you are connecting with people that he wrote about in a way that you weren't able to connect with your father. Uh, you didn't have that opportunity because he right. didn't tell you about them. Uh, how did it make you feel in that way, if you don't mind sharing a little bit uh, more of, um, did, when you found those letters and you realized what they were, did you begin at some point in time to feel almost like, well, uh, hurt? You heard, know, why didn't he tell me about these? Or, uh, no, or, or, no,
9: on the, on the contrary... I felt like a fool for not understanding. You know, Mm -hmm. he had told me stories, but I didn't appreciate it. I didn't understand how important they are. Um, This past Shabbat, uh, Jonathan Sachs has a beautiful uh, Dvar Torah where he talks about how Jews are, we're storytellers. We care about stories. Stories are critically, critically important to us, and they're important to our identity. I think my father tried to tell me these stories, and... I understood them enough to make Aliyah, Right. But I didn't understand what they meant about who he was mm-hmm. and how incredibly idealistic he was. And no matter what setbacks occurred, he had no question that the state of Israel was going to come into being and it was going to be a great state and would make amazing contributions to mankind. Right. And I didn't appreciate his efforts to understand um his his idealism his determination and i'm sorry that i didn't appreciate that during his lifetime and one of the obvious consequences of that is it's made me think about my relationship with my children my sons my children and my my grandchildren and it's made me also wonder how my grandchildren will will think about their parents right so there's this uh, a very long chain of being you know that goes from my grandfather to my father to me to my grandchildren five generations
1: right did,
9: so it's had a very big impact on on how i think about that
1: did did your children get the opportunity to hear some of the stories not about the letters obviously but the, the stories from your father sure great sure great. they
9: had a they had very good relationships with him um and they knew him well um and they'd heard some of the stories, and they definitely appreciated them even more than I did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to be a grandchild than the son of.
1: Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's more fun uh, for them. And, and that's why I know we've spent a lot of this time talking about the family relationship, your relationship, your father's relationship with his parents. Because, again, as I said, reading this, the letters and, and the facts... Uh, of, of which many of us know a lot about is is one thing. The focus here is to read them in a context that has has never been uh, presented before. So when people read this, I think it's important they understand the relationship. They understand where you're coming from with this because it, again, it gives it a more real uh, uh, scenario. And uh, as opposed to let's say you finding letters of somebody else that you don't know and. Finding them fascinating right. and publishing them—it's just more dry. This is so much more. Uh, quick, uh, last, pretty much last question: What do you think your father would uh, uh, think about the goings on today in the last number of decades? I know he, like you said, he passed away in 2013, so he certainly has seen a lot. What was his feeling about uh, what Israel became and uh, and future?
9: Um, my father. Uh during, in '47 and '48, my father was very much in the Haganah and Labor Party and I, I would say somewhat left of center mm-hmm. and very much disapproved of the Irgun and other terrorist organizations because he felt that they they undermined the state and specifically the Haganah. He loathed Begin. Now, really? over time, Interesting. he changed his mind. He right. came to appreciate Menachem Begin, for the incredible idealism and integrity that Begin had. So I think he has, he has been undergoing a process of moving from left of center to right of center. And over the, last, the years before he died, he was very frustrated by the inability to move the peace process forward right. and by the fact that there was no accommodation that was acceptable to the other side, so I think that he, in that respect, is, is uh, characteristic of many of Israel, many Israelis sure. who have now uh, kind of given up on um, you know some kind of, of arrangement that uh, you know was still waiting for the Palestinians to say we accept the idea of a Jewish state. Right. And things that I read, for example, uh, Count Folk Bernadotte, who was mm-hmm. the UN mediator in Palestine in, May, in forty-eight. Right, saying that he's been told by all of these by the foreign minister of Egypt, for example, that it, it it's not important what the Arabs receive, but it is absolutely critical that there not be a Jewish state.
3: Mm,
9: and unfortunately, that does not seem to have changed. Right. And I think that uh, it, it was a frustration to my father, and I regret that he didn't live long enough to see uh, some evolution there. And I think it's still a step that we're all waiting for, right, we're absolutely. all still hopeful for. Sure,
1: absolutely. Uh, Daniel Chertoff, thank you so much for, for joining me today. We could talk a lot more, but you know we have limited time. Everyone, go out and get that book, Palestine Post, An Eyewitness Account of the Birth of Israel. Uh, you do talk about your family in there. I'd be remiss if I didn't just tie in Jewish geography. Uh, I'm from Elizabeth, New Jersey, grew up uh, here and now back here living, and your uncle, whom you write about, uh, Gershon was the rabbi of a shul in Elizabeth for many years, and a very prominent right. religious figure and rabbinical figure in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and uh, and then you have a, a uh, you know a cousin. His name is Michael. We don't really know much about him, but. <laughs> He uh, he's involved in government, uh, you know, someplace. Uh, he used to he used to do that, but you're the famous author, you know. So <laughs> that's what we focus yeah. on. Uh, but it's interesting how how uh, this this ties in because your whole family certainly ha- had this um, tie in to, to Judaism and and all those expressions in many different ways. So thank you for sharing your father with us. Uh thank you for My pleasure. for thank doing you for this having me. and uh, we look forward to uh, th- to more from you.
9: <laughs> thank you very much Madison. it was a pleasure being on the show. I wish you good luck and um I I look forward to opportunities to continue to share these stories with you know the Jewish community.
1: Excellent. Thank you again so much. Nice speaking with you.
9: Thank you. Take really care. a pleasure. Thank you. Best wishes.
1: Thank you. Bye. Daniel goodbye. Daniel Chertoff, uh, Palestine Post, an eyewitness, account of the uh, birth of Israel. Let's go back to the music and then we're going to see if we can have a, uh, another special guest on with us in just a moment. Here's Shimon, here's, uh, excuse me, Chaim David on JM Sunday.
4: I'm <Sanly> saying, <Sanly> Oy, Maratim, v'al kosheli. i push get a spring. Dartin' him get a click. Get a shepherd, shake that rope. Oy, i get a spring. in him get a click. Get a shepherd, shake that rope. Oy, i get a spring. in him and get a click. Get shepherd, that
1: Somehow, I ended up with uh, Mizamrim instead of uh, Chaim Dovit. I apologize about that. But, um, hey, that's the way it goes here on live radio. Uh, special guest right now, the one and only Nachum Siegel. Good morning, Nachum. Good
0: morning, Mate. How are you? Thank God, doing great.
1: Are you all ready for this uh, big day today?
0: Oh, it's it's a big day. We'll talk about that, and I appreciate you putting me on. I just have to, I have to mention, first of all, a big thank you to you, because you're one of the people who uh, sat in while I was away, and I thank you for that. Yeah. But I, I really hope that our audience appreciates as much as uh, I do and as much as the whole uh, staff does how incredible your conversations are on the air. I mean, <laughs> I, I, people always I, – I always hesitate to say something like this because – Sometimes people take it the wrong way, but believe me, it's met with the most, with the utmost respect and the Mm -hmm. utmost compliment. Uh, you've always been, obviously, you've always been uh, great on the air, but it seems like over the last couple of years you have honed your skills to the point where your conversations, especially with guests like you just had, are simply amazing, and uh, I just want to thank you because I found it riveting, and uh, I'm sure many people who are tuned in felt the same way.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that, and, and you reminded me about something, and I apologize. Whenever I uh, have an author like this or someone, uh, I always mention the person that put me together with the person, and I... Didn't do it during the interview, but Stuart Schnee, who is a tremendous ah. publicist in uh, Israel, uh, yes, is the one who connected me here, and I want to thank him and give a shout out to him because he is always very supportive of us here in the network. And uh, and and I apologize that I didn't mention it during the interview, but thank you. I you know I enjoy interviewing people that um, have something to say that I enjoy. You know, and this book is even though I'm no expert on Israel, I mean this is a fascinating read, and everybody. Well, I mean, get it. first
0: of all, in, in terms of Stu, you're right; he's always keeping us in the loop on so many great things and making wonderful recommendations to us, and I, I as well appreciate that, and I thank him as uh, as you did. And the second thing is, look, uh, I mean, everyone's got their angle, and you ask questions, certain things that I would never either think of or <laughs> you know find to be priorities or put in a way that it, that sounds like it's really important, and you're able to. To do the that's that's what it's all about. It's all right. about you know different people bring different things to the table, and uh, and that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it uh, so absolutely. much. Absolutely,
1: I I know I kind of got a good question. I have a good question when there's a slight pause and then the author has to stop for a second and say. Hey, that's a good question. I was never asked that. <laughs> then I know. Okay, I've done that. That's a good feeling, actually. <laughs> exactly. Now, this book is happens to be available. I checked at Eichler's. Where uh, first you... of
0: all, I'm so glad you said you checked, and we got to give Morty Getz credit because he's upgraded Eichlers and Bar Park like crazy. Absolutely. Over the last year or so, and books like the one you just described, I don't know if they would have been available there in the past, and now now they are.
1: Right now, just to give everybody the the um, as I was mentioning before, you are going to be live in Eichlers between. One and three. Yeah, and a lot of
0: people can't believe we're going to Bar Park today, but we are. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs>
1: you're going to be interviewing someone who also uh, came out with a book and is a tremendous scholar and uh, uh, publicity person, and uh, you know, you'll tell us about that in a second. But um, also the big thing of the day. I mean bigger than that, is, of course, the Kosher Halftime Show. Uh, so let's talk about Eichlus first for a minute, and then um, then we can get to the Kosher Halftime Show. Yeah,
0: Barry Weiss <laughs> might be a, a best-selling author and a staff writer and editor for the opinion section of the New York Times, but, hey, there is a Kosher Halftime Show yeah, coming up. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's funny. What what really, and I mean, not that there's anything that's, co- that's coincidence, and I know that, obviously, if Barry Weiss would have written this book, how to fight anti-Semitism with any background, obviously, you know, it, it would, it would garner a lot of attention. But the fact that she's from Pittsburgh and that she grew up in the synagogue that was attacked on that day yep. back in 2018, you know, just makes it such a, a personal account for, a, for a, you know, an international problem, which right. is anti-Semitism. So we have a lot of interesting angles to discuss with her. They'll be selling the book at Eichler's in Borough Park, obviously all day. They've been selling it for weeks. Right. And uh, she'll be signing the book starting at 1 o'clock, and then around 2 p.m. Uh, during our two-hour broadcast. We're going to go on the air at 1, and we'll have some interesting guests, but at 2 o'clock we're scheduled to actually bring her a two-hour mobile studio just a few feet away from where she'll be signing. And we'll have a chance to speak to her and talk to her about you know the personal stuff and obviously the more global stuff in terms of her a battle against anti Semitism. Right. Uh, it should be very interesting. I hope. I mean, it's Borough Park after all, so you never know uh, what kind of crowd and how large a crowd to expect. I hope a lot of people come out and I hope they appreciate the fact that someone like her, who's one of the most in demand people right now in this country mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to media, I hope, and, and book signings and appearances, I hope they. Uh, appreciate the fact that they could actually meet her, speak to her, get the book signed, et cetera, yeah. in Brooklyn, New York. And if, you know, if you're not in Borough Park, folks, if you're you know planning on being anywhere near it, uh, starting at 1 o'clock, come on by and say hello. We normally, on kosher Halftime shows, they would never consider doing a live remote. <laughs> I could say this on behalf of the entire staff. Yeah. <laughs> but- you know what? <laughs> but we're doing it. We're doing it today, and we'll be there till three, and uh, then we'll then we'll resume uh, worrying about the kosher. <laughs> right, right. right.
1: I'm sure plenty of people will come out, even though it's a uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, people will take the time away from their Super Bowl uh, party celebrations and get-togethers and tailgatings and whatever they're doing in Borough Park and come out to see uh, to see you. And uh, that in and of itself is a treat. You know, the person that you're interviewing is great, but uh, it, it for you to be the their live is uh, is phenomenal. Well, so I don't remember the last sure.
0: time we were live in so, yeah, It really is a good opportunity for people to come by and say yeah. hello and all that. Uh, uh, we, we did a couple of things this week there just in preparation for this show, not official things, meaning just showed up and it seemed like there were a lot of people who were very familiar with the show and everything. So I hope that uh, people come out. And yeah, if you're doing Super Bowl prep, uh, interrupted a little bit, uh, Super Bowl party prep, interrupted a little <laughs> bit and come out between one and three uh, on 13th Avenue and 50th Street in Brooklyn, New York for the uh, big um, for the big show, uh, 1 until 3 o'clock, and Barry Weiss will be our special guest. Right.
1: Uh, before we get to the Kosher Halftime Show, and this is totally unprofessional, but it's live. Can you check your text for a second? Uh, so, the um, the Kosher Halftime Show is something that uh, has been going on for a number of years already. It's just, it's just a part of Super Bowl Sunday. There's no question about it. Uh, and, uh, and it's an amazing, amazing show that happens every year. Uh, this year, you're featuring Ashley Blaker, Simcoe Liner, Mayor Kay. So, now you have Two semi-comedic acts here. I mean, Mayor Kay is well-known out there and everything, but he's, you know, kind of funny. Simple liner, of course, phenomenal singer. And Ashley Blaker, you just you can't go wrong. I mean, his comedy is unbelievable. Uh, that's a great crew that you put in. You
0: know, it's funny you say that, because the truth is that really all three of them are doing comic-like routines okay. in this uh, in this show, uh, mostly on purpose. <laughs> of course. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, we we do. I mean, I, there have been previews because of the press releases that were sent out and some of the things we've done on social media. Uh-huh. So people know that Simple Simon is going to be singing in a very unusual situation, which is pretty funny. Okay, uh, people know that the A and H segment, A and H hot dogs. Uh-huh. What, w- what would you do for an A and H hot dog or an A and H salami? Is a great ma- <laughs> typical Mayor K on the <laughs> right. street in costume. You know, some people saw some of the, some of the previews we did, right. uh, some of the promos, I should say. Uh, Ashley Blaker's funny. Ashley <laughs> Blaker's funny. He starts tomorrow at the Soho Playhouse. Uh-huh. You know, you and I have always loved the comedians who, you know, concentrate on what we do as Jews. You, know, you and I have enjoyed Mark <laughs> Wiener. You and I yes. have enjoyed... Uh, I mean, there are other names that I could think of, Elon Gold and others right. that really emphasize the Jewish... the crazy Jewish stuff. Uh, <laughs> and he's, of course, along those lines and uh, has written a completely new show, which starts tomorrow. And for us, he did a Super Bowl... Uh, I would say I would say a, a routine that combines the Super Bowl and the CMA shots, <laughs> and, <laughs> and people will see what I mean by that.
1: You know, and, it, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was going to mention that there's a tie, and you mentioned about A and H, you know, phenomenal products that they have, and hot dogs for a uh, for a tailgating party. You know, I'm sure you saw the pictures of the CMA shots. The people posted of yes. tailgating parties yes. before the CMA shots. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it, was pretty it somehow funny. didn't make it to the main screen on there. It just, they, they didn't have enough time for all of them, but it just showed uh, you know what, I, I happen to think it was great because it just showed the type of people that will gather together for something like that. So, back to the Super Bowl. My
0: question is how they, yeah. become, how they became expert tailgaters. Okay.
1: <laughs> you about uh, as long as I have A&H, it's fine. So, something like this, when you have produced over the years this kosher halftime show, which um, at, at first, I guess, is was always the idea that you, we may not want to watch what's on the halftime show we want to watch the game but sometimes what's on the halftime show is just not our our style so you um created something different now it's almost a given it doesn't matter what's on the halftime show whether we watch it or not this is a must see and it's so part of it and part of the day
0: yeah i mean look i mean we don't expect everybody to not watch the regular super bowl halftime show we mm-hmm. We want to provide an alternative, uh, okay, and a lot of people do, in fact, you know, tune it in. Some people have it in different rooms in the house and all that right, stuff. Right. But the real point is we're just making a point. We're yeah. making a point that, you know, we're going to kosherize halftime for everybody, you know, and, and keep in mind that our community can have fun in an appropriate manner, um, you know, et cetera. It's, exactly. it's, it's, it's You know, I don't want to make that big of a deal about it in terms of, uh, uh, you know, in terms of lofty, um, you know, philosophical achievements here. Just uh, it's you know, fun, right? It's, it's fun, fun. Provide an alternative, gives us a platform that right. everyone's familiar with.
1: People can uh, talk about the game as being, you know, in lofty terms, and that they can discuss that for hours. Right, exactly. fun. Watch it. You'll enjoy it. And, and I uh, want to
0: thank, if you don't mind, I want to thank yeah. com and Keiko and Azer yeah. and, um, and A&H mm-hmm. and Steinrath Communications and foremost uh, the Rothenburg Law Firm, who are the presenting sponsor. Right. All of those that I mentioned are involved in sponsoring our kosher halftime show. It's much
1: appreciated. And tremendous uh, thanks go out to you, of course, and the staff and Miriam and everybody involved in it from uh, you know, behind the scenes do a tremendous amount of work.
0: Yeah, everyone worked hard, and we did it pretty early because the Mayor K's schedule we did it pretty early in January. And, of course, everything still was going on last night until the last yeah, of minute.
1: Course, so. Of course. Uh, as you know, we're about to end the show, but I yep. want to ask you one thing. Uh, you had a chance to participate in a uh, Michael Bloomberg presidential event uh, can you, in a minute, you know, tell our audience here on Sunday about that?
0: Well, a lot of people uh, in, in, affiliated with the Jewish part of his campaign mm-hmm. kn- knew and continue to know that I'm a good friend of his and that we've had quite a relationship for the last 15 years or so, right. something that do you know. And they reached out to me to emcee the event. It didn't really end up emceeing. It ended up that I was the first speaker at this big rally for him down in Florida last Sunday. Right. Uh, the reaction's been mixed. A lot of people are big Bloomberg fans and want to see him you know, bring back the... Uh, the, um, the glory of the Democratic Party, and right. there are many people who believe that, and there are many people in our community who are big Trump supporters, and I acknowledge the incredible uh, work that uh, the president has done on behalf of Israel, etc., but right. they feel that, you know, enough is enough with the craziness, and they need somebody a little bit more level-headed to be the decision-maker in the White House. So sure. with all that in mind, uh, I've gotten good reaction on that side. Others uh, have had some interesting things to say about my choice. Uh, but he's an old friend. I was asked. I'm not going to turn him down. Absolutely. And I honestly do believe that he, as as a Hasidish man, in who's very involved in politics, said to me the other day, uh, "The truth is, he is the only person that can bring this country together." So I'm hoping that 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 does happen. He's going up in the polls, and uh, you know, if we had more time, I'd go into more detail. But that's essentially it.
1: Right. Absolutely. I know he's been a tremendous friend to you and to your family personally, and and. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's great. It, it is a great thing that you did. and, and uh, I'm, Did you I'm see the video on I saw the video, yeah. Yeah, you. excellent. All right, Nachum, thanks. Uh, enjoy today. We'll hear you later. And uh, enjoy the halftime show and the game. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Four, hours, four hours from
0: now, Borough Park, Eichlers And tonight, just after, just before halftime, get ready to see the kosher halftime show, everybody. com and Facebook.com slash Network. Thank you, Matis.
1: You're welcome. Hear you tomorrow morning again on JM and the AM. Take Thank care, Nachum. Thank you. And thanks again for everybody who joined us this morning. My thanks to, um, my, uh, to uh, the author, Dan- Daniel Chertoff. The book is Palestine Posts. You can get it at uh, Eichler's, and you can get it online uh, at Amazon. We'll see you next week right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network.
0: You've been listening to Matis Weingast and J.M. Sunday on com, right here at the Siegel Network.